0: This is week number two. But before I get started, children, you are dismissed to head down to Children's Chapel. That's kindergarten through, I believe, third grade. All right, K through three. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to let all of you know that coming this summer, it will be K through sixth grade, and we will have Children's Chapel that will be downstairs as well. So I'm excited for Caitlin to come and be our family life director and get that up and running. So that is very, very exciting for me. With that being said, this is week number two. I want to, if you would, please turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, 17. Look to your partner and say, you're worth it. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me. I want you to watch this very closely. Be careful what you hear, because you don't realize that it can form your future. Watch closely.
1: What defines us? Our choices? Our looks? Our feelings? If I feel like I'm nothing, is it true? Some days, I look in the mirror and I just want to cry. I think of all the mistakes I've made, all the people I've hurt, all the times I've failed. Am I a mistake? If I accomplish my goals, will that make me better? If I lose the weight. Would that make me beautiful? If I changed everything, would I finally be worth it? You are not your makeup, not your clothes, an anonymous face that no one knows. You're not a skin color, a pretty face, the number You got something
0: look to your partner next to you or whoever's sitting around you and say again, you're worth it. To our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, who loves me, I bring you greetings this morning. How can I say that God loves me? In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, well, because I am a child of God, seated in heavenly places with Christ, anointed by the Holy Ghost with power, called to preach the gospel to the world as written in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. I have a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith, a sword of the spirit, a ring of relationship and the belt of truth around my waist, praying always with supplication in the spirit that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, then in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I have been cleansed by the blood of the lamb and set apart. So that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. So let's look at this morning's text in Mark chapter four, verse 24. Mark four: 24. Verse 4, and his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick. Oh, that's not, I'm like, that's not my text. 424, thank you. Mark 424. And he said unto them, There you go. Take heed what you hear, with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall be more given. So the scripture says, Take heed what you hear. "...with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear more will be given. For whoever has to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him." So what is Jesus actually saying here in the Scriptures? The action word that I want you to take in your Bible and circle it is actually the word heed. Heed in the Webster Dictionary actually means to pay attention, to listen carefully... To be careful, be on guard, and watch over. So let's apply this to hear our Savior. So what is the number one reason to watch what you hear? What you hear will affect your faith. What you hear will affect your faith. So turn to someone and tell them, What you hear will affect your faith. What you hear will affect your faith. But what, what do we do about faith? Can you see it? What does it look like? Have you sat down and spoke to this thing called faith? Have you seen faith's phone number on the caller ID? Of course not. And why not? The answer is right in the Word, where it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So what makes up this faith? Belief in asking and action in pain. Belief in asking, and action in pain. We all understand that, and we all understand what faith is, and faith is an important part of our Christian life. Even in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Living a life apart from faith I can do fine by myself attitude. It's all good. But listen church, it's not all good. How many of you want the victory? Say this with me, I want the victory. Hallelujah. We all like to win. So here it says in 1 John chapter 5 verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, which is our faith. By what? Faith. Go with me, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10:17. We need to hear not just go on what we have heard. We are about to discover something now. And it says there, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Word of God. So we must be in the word to increase our faith. So I ask you a question this morning. Have you been in the Word? Have you been in a Bible study? Have you been encouraged by your own personal time in the Word? Has it challenged you to become better? Are you born of faith? Or do you just allow throughout the week to hear different things, to hear junk filter in your mind and go into your heart and into your soul, and that's what has made you who you are today? Instead of saying, yes, I'm going to take the Word of God, and the Word of God is going to transform. My life. I believe Romans chapter twelve, verse two says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's very we have to be careful because as you saw there on the screen, and I know it was more of a secular group, bunch of sisters, Cimarelli, and I loved that video, you're worth it. And I thought when I was going to do this, I'm like, i got to play this because it's so worth it to play it. Okay, come on. Are you now following me? Okay. And uh, so being worth it, I want you to know that you are of value to God. You know, you could say, oh, here he goes. This is a prosperity gospel message. No, he says you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew you. He formed you. He created you. And He has plans for your life. Yes, the Bible says in John 3, 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom. So we have to change our old ways and walk in the newness of life. But our Christian life must be measured by what? By our faith. You know the story of David and Goliath. But I want to look at the actions before the time of David and Goliath. Here's the Philistine armies in fortified positions. Saul and his men of Israel were in the Valley of Elah, which was Soko, the city of Shalphiyah of Judah, about 14 miles south of modern, what they say would be modern Jerusalem today. Philistine champions, six cubits in height like myself, 10 feet and 400 pounds. Okay. I'm not 400 pounds. I'm not even 10 feet. 5'11". Now I'm six foot. The word says he, the Philistine, drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning, evening and night, challenged, intimidated, made them feel worthless. And it's amazing to me because when you look in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we all know the story of David and Goliath. And you heard me say last week, even in my own personal life and in my own personal walk, yeah, I thought at some times, yeah, I was the nerdy kid in school. I was the preacher boy. I was the one that wasn't accepted because of who I was in my walk. You know, so you, you try to achieve to be something really you're not, and, you, and you're trying to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know do things different in my life. But I often wonder when I look at the Scriptures, where it even says in First Samuel chapter 17 that it says that David didn't fight the battle alone. That God was with him. That the Lord of hosts was with him. Yeah, I might have been that that young man who was called to preach at age 15 years of age. And I might have been that young man who my whole life changed. From that summer into the school year. And some of you heard this story last week. But I often wonder, every time I went to face the battle... I knew when I was going to face my Goliath, I knew that God was standing there. I knew that many that persecuted me said, you know what? He'll never make anything of himself, even in the church, even with some of the pastors. You heard that as well, and I don't have to go back over that story, but I want you to know that you're worth it, that God loves you and that he cares for you. And I know that most of us and some of us and a lot of us have junk in our trunk. But you know what we failed to do? is We failed to come to an old altar and confess it to God and walk away and say, I'm leaving it there. I'm healed today. So what it is, watch what you hear. Hearing starts to change and starts to form our life because we start to believe what other people say. No, you're worth it. And in David and Goliath's life, he said, yes, I can do this. Mark 4.24 says, take heed what you hear. And Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing. And then we noticed in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Here's what happened. David went to fight this battle. Because his father Jesse said, son, you need to go. When he got there, I think that the Lord really started working on his heart and in his life. Now, if you are a young person in this room or you're a teenager and you think that, no, there's no hope for me. I mean, I'm too young. God wouldn't use me. God wants to use young people. You know why? Because I really believe young people have not conformed to this world and have, they've only had a little bit of time to hear all the junk that people have to say about them. When you become an adult, all of a sudden it starts to change the course of your life, doesn't it? Because you start saying, I can't do that. I remember growing up, and for many of you, you don't know this, but the person in my life that ridiculed me was actually my father-in-law, which is my wife's father. Now you understand some of the reservations my wife has had throughout her life. And I'll never forget the, the one time, and I didn't say that last week because I didn't feel it was necessary that day, but I'm going to tell you something today. That a little girl growing up, he would say, Honey, I want you to, to pray. I don't know if you use the word honey. I say that to my, my girls because we have four daughters. But, you know, I would say... Go ahead, can you please bless the meal? As soon as she was done, he would criticize everything she did. Now let me ask you a question. After a while, you start to believe that everything that you say during prayer is not worth saying. So when you say, can you pray? You freeze up. You don't say anything because all you can hear in the back of your mind is somebody saying, you weren't worth that prayer. See, we don't understand just what we've done in our life to to hinder people from having a successful Christian life. Yeah, I, I, my name wasn't on the draft the last couple days because I'm not an athlete, okay? So it's not going to happen. I mean, I know Justin was there. He was waiting with Swagger, and he was trying to say, you know what, I'm waiting for Uncle Todd's name to come up you know, on the big screens, and I know you were looking. No, we're not gifted. I'm not gifted. But I will tell you this, that even though I'm not an athlete, the things that were said to me when I was younger, I don't have to believe. And I want you to know the same thing, that you don't have to believe what people have said about you to destroy your character. Now here's this this 15-year-old boy. He goes there. Now hold on just a minute. So here is Saul. He's already been anointed and ordained of Samuel. And he is out there to fight the Philistines. And it says day after day after day after day after day, Goliath got out there and said, Hey, I am going to do this to you. And when I'm done doing this to you, I'm going to cut off your head. And after that, I'm going to use all of you as my slaves. And there's little David. He's out there tending to the flock because all of his brothers were there. But even though all of his brothers were there, his brothers were listening to a lie. And the lie went like this. Here's what I'm going to do to you, sons of Jesse. I'm going to rip you from limb to limb. Because you see who I am? I am Goliath. And no one stands against me. And all of a sudden, this young 15-year-old boy pops up on the scene Goes there, disperses some bread, disperses some food to his brothers. And next thing he knows, he looks out there. But I really believe that on the way there, that the Lord started to speak to David. And he told David, you can do it, you can do it, you can, you can. And David was like, who's saying that? Oh no, that was God. He was speaking to David. And David started to hear. Now, for many of us today in America and in our churches today, when the Holy Spirit starts to speak, we go, "Was that coincidence? What just? Where'd that come from? Oh, that didn't happen." And isn't it amazing that after God does it not one time, two times, three times, all of a sudden He shakes you, and then He gets a hold of you, and then He, you go, "Oh, oh, okay, the Lord's really speaking to me." How many of you have done this? Don't go down this road and the Holy Spirit leads you down this road and then you come to find out there was an accident on that road or something bad took place. Because the Holy Spirit, if you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit starts to lead you and to guide you and to direct you. And I love that in the Scriptures in 1 Samuel, it said that David went to Saul, asked for permission, and he said, hey, can I go take down that big Philistine? Well, at the time, you know, and I I was thinking about this this morning as I was reading the Scriptures because I thought it was really neat to think that King Saul said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put my armor on you. Now, remember, no weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. Shall succeed. So, anyhow, so David in his stature... Decided, and the Bible says that that Saul was a strong man, a handsome man. And yet, he took off all of his armor, took off all of his gear, and what did he do? He put it on young David. Now, I can't remember the picture. It was either in Charlie Brown's or something where all of a sudden he put on the clothes, that helmet. And the helmet was cockeyed this way, and he couldn't see out of anything. It was like, I can't remember what cartoon that was. The alien. Maybe I'm showing my age now. Is that what it was when he put it on and the clothes were too big, the pants were too big, the the breast, the chest plate was too big. And, you know, I almost looked for it and, and brought it up here today just to kind of give you guys a visual. David could have said right then, why do I need to carry around this 100-pound sword? I can't take down that big, huge man that stands 10 feet tall and is 400 pounds. There is no way I could take him down. But here's what he did. He goes, hold on a minute. Get this stuff off of me. You got remember? Remember King Saul? The Lord of hosts is with me. And so when he goes up to fight against Goliath, all of a sudden, David has the strength. Why does he have the strength? Because he already surrendered to the will of God. And so he gets out there and goes, Oh, you think I could. Really? I'm going to take you down, young man. This is Goliath speaking to David. And young David says, I don't have to take you down with anything else but the power of God. And so he took him down by the power of God. Only a boy named David, only a little sling. And so all of a sudden, the little guy took that sling, 15 years of age, and took him down. See, I really believe that when we look at the scriptures, we have believed everything people have said about us. Now, you know what that is? That is Satan using those weapons to destroy you from succeeding in Christ. There are many that are out there that have listened. They have heard what other people have said and it has hindered them. What do you think the brothers of David were doing? My brother's here, he's the youngest of all of us. He's going to take down that Philistine giant? That'll never happen. But see, David didn't listen to his brothers. He didn't listen to King Saul. He didn't listen to anybody. He didn't listen to the naysayers. He didn't listen to the gainsayers. What he said was, I'm going to do this because I have the power. And so the power gave him strength to face the giant in his life. Do you understand that David did not become king until he was 30 years of age? So he served King Saul for 15 more years. You see, pride creeps up within us because that's our coping mechanism. So we have to be very, very careful. Back when I was a teenager... And young adult, let me tell you, church, even though I stopped in my high school years, I went into my adult years, and all I have heard from some pastors and the church is, you can't do that, Todd. You'll never succeed. I always love the next part, too. You're a false leader. Well, the last time I checked, I opened up the Word of God. And why is it that pastors have a way because jealousy starts to creep in? That it starts to destroy Other men of God, and we wonder why young people aren't serving and surrendering to God today. Because all they want to do is put down people instead of lift them up. Let me tell you something from my heart to yours, you're all worth it. You're worth it. And it's because of God that you're worth it. You're worth it because God sent His only begotten Son to a cross. That He hung there. He fulfilled. You see, Jesus Christ went to the cross not by His own will, but because He had the power. He rose from the grave because He had the power. And we don't talk about power because we don't believe in power. Power. Because we believe in something we've heard. Some of you may have giants in your life, giants which torment you at work, at school, at home, in your neighborhood, maybe at football practice, at soccer practice, at cheerleading practice, or whatever activity you may do. But I'm here to tell you that if you want to defeat these giants, start by living victory and faith, as we have said before. Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. By what? Our faith. That's the premise to our Christian life. So we need to watch what we hear. Why? Because first, what you hear will affect your faith. What you hear will affect your faith. And second of all, the Bible says that we must guard. We have examined and know that our ears have a direct path to where? To our faith. And that they also have a direct path and know that our ears have a direct path to our faith. And the place where our faith is stored is where? In our heart. And where does Jesus take residence in our life? In our hearts. So if our faith is in our heart, then it makes sense to me that we need to guard our hearts but don't just take my word for it the gospel tells me in proverbs 4:23 when it says to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life this means that important things come from your heart diligence means to do what to be watchful to be alert to guard. So we must watch what we hear because it will affect our faith. Must also remember to guard our hearts. Remember the word guard. Because it says take heed what you hear. And then Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing. Why? First, because what we hear can affect our faith. And we must also remember to guard our hearts. People seem to lose their minds. And how does that happen? It's like an addiction. And we see the end result as the manifestation in bad ways. One of the saddest things for me as just a Christian, a child of God, is to watch people. Their lives are ruined because of what somebody said. What someone said in the marriage. What someone has said in your family. What someone has said in the workplace. Had a man tell me just this week. He says, well, I'm going over here to this other store. It's up in Cleveland. I said, are you excited about your new position? He said, I'm not excited because every time I walk in there, the man that's in that position wasn't doing his job. And now all he does is put me down. And I said, brother, you need to rebuke it. Don't you allow somebody to put you down like that. You are getting this position because you've earned that position. You need to guard your heart because if you start to falter, you know what's going to happen? He'll be back in that position again because you start believing what he said. One of my favorite phrases that I have in my Bibles, I've often regretted my speech, seldom my silence. Be careful what you hear. Be very, very careful, because I think what ends up happening in our life is we allow the the wheat to come in, or the weeds and the tares, as Matthew 13 says, and it starts to destroy our life. But you're worth it. And just because you went through a divorce, just because you're on marriage number five or six or seven, God's a God of second chances. God wants to give you another chance. And many of us will say, I'm not worth it. I know, I've heard it. I'm just not worth it, Pastor. No, you're worth it. The problem is, you haven't guarded the very sensitive thing that increases your faith. So let me give you an illustration. So, why do we have a ribcage? We have a ribcage because it guards our heart. But if we look in Ephesians chapter 6, when it says we need to put on the full armor of God that we, that we may be able to stand against the what? the ways of the who? Of the devil. No weapon formed me against, against me shall prosper. So let me put it to you like this. You've allowed the workplace, the school, the family, the ex. You've allowed the father, the mother, the grandmother. You've allowed people in your life to destroy your character. All because you didn't guard your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, if we're not guarding our heart, we're allowing what is being brought in to destroy our faith line. We have to guard our heart spiritually. i give you this illustration about guarding our heart. My sister Tracy went this week, had an upper GI. She was having some acid reflux, didn't know what some of the problems were up in, in, in the upper extremity up here in her chest. And she came back with, and her lungs look good, the esophagus looks good, the stomach looks good, everything looks great. And it was two days before that, I was in my prayer time, and I remember as I was praying, I thought, wait a minute, no weapon formed me against me shall prosper. So I looked at my sister the other night and I said, I've got to tell you something. Just because you're my sister, you're not exempt to me preaching to you. Now listen closely. That we deal with infirmities and infirmities of the flesh because Satan knows that will trip us up for for the Lord's success. And that's exactly, listen church, if you are a child of God, And Satan knows that. He wants to destroy you before you even get started. Remember, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the likeness of His death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection, to walk in the newness of life. So we accept Jesus Christ, we go through water baptism, and then we start to walk in the newness of life, and all of a sudden, we allow the enemy to come in and just grab a hold of our ankles and yank us. From doing anything for him. So he tells us little things like. You'll never be able to sing again. You'll never be able to act again. You'll never be able to do anything. Don't teach that class. Remember your eyesight is so bad. You'll never be able to see. Like that ever again. Well I want you to know something. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in this world. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed. So I looked at Tracy. I said in the name of Jesus. We rebuke. The illness that Satan is trying to attack you with. You're under spiritual attack. You're under warfare. So church, the reason why we're discussing this right now is because I believe that your marriage, your children, your homes, your workplace, your business has been under attack. And if that wasn't the case, then why does God continue to say, but without faith it is impossible to please God? So in our scriptures, we look that we must live a life that's full of faith. So then we could say, no, it is God that is in us, that is in my heart, that is healing me right now in the name of Jesus. He's doing it again. He's talking about that healing thing. Oh, you see, it's easy for, for pastors to get in the pulpit and have the lights, the cameras, and the action, but then we don't open up the Word of God and understand really the context by where there's really healing that comes. And I love great music. I love worship. Our family sings. You see us sing here. We we love music. But if we don't have the Word of God as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, we'll never be able to get rid of the sins and iniquities of our heart. And so we've got to make sure that we do that. And so as I told her this, you're worth it. You have to have victory. So start speaking those words. If I listen to everybody tell me back when I was a teenager, you'll never make it, Tackett. It. Why even go to, to Bible college? Why even, you know, you're not even smart enough to do that. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And if you've been called, then you need to get active right now, busy about what the Lord has for you. So guard your heart, be careful, and understand that Satan wants to allow the, the ways of his weapons, his darts, the way that he attacks you to destroy you. Seriously, he wants to destroy your life. I'll give you proof. Matthew chapter 13, and remember I said to remember the word guard. Satan is not omnipresent. So it says that he plants seeds, right? And Matthew thirteen twenty four says another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, there was the connection. We said not to sleep, but to be on guard duty and watching your heart. So let's see what happens. As his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Let me share with you that tares are a weed which looks like a wheat as it grows, but it's just a worthless weed. It will look like wheat, but it's just a duplicate or a replica of that. Verse 26, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And in verse 28 says, he said to them, an enemy, an enemy has done this. Can you imagine working and slaving? This morning I want to share with you that the power that can be yours and the importance of watching what you hear. Now we started this morning by looking at young David and how he didn't hear what was being said. And as a child was able through God to defeat, defeat the giant guard. Now, let's take a moment and look at the nevertheless. As a youth, David did a great thing, but he was promised by God to do even greater things. To do what? To be a king. All of our youth here today have have done great things and are promised to do greater things as they grow up. But you can't allow and you can't let what you hear affect your promise love what it says in second samuel 5 6 and if you're flipping around this morning trying to follow me because i had so much scripture it says we see david the man anointed king but not yet possessing what god has promised him going into jerusalem which was inhabited by the enemy so david goes to capture goes to take over goes to claim what saith the lord what was promised to him And then at verse 6, it says, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come hither, thinking David cannot come in hither. Nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless. And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Some of us are in a dry place and not in a moist place in our faith. It takes our action. Isaiah forty thirty one says, "They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." I'm so glad for nevertheless. There is there is always a nevertheless in your life. You come here, and yes, the situation looks like an impossibility. But nevertheless, you can do all things for God is able. Yet you don't have two pennies to rub together, but nevertheless, he's made you the head and not the tail. Yes, your family and friends may be treating you bad, but nevertheless, they shall be raised up and call you blessed because you will possess what God has promised you. I'm not talking about next year. I'm talking about right now. You may be sick today, but nevertheless, by his stripes, we are healed. I'm so glad for nevertheless. For nevertheless, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Nevertheless, a thousand shall shall fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. Nevertheless, I'm going to lend and not borrow. Nevertheless, I'm going to be blessed coming in and going out. Who am I here for today? Turn to somebody and say, nevertheless. Nevertheless. There's a movie called Pay It Forward. But listen, church, it's already been paid in full. For you already. By our Savior. Luke 4.16 says, If you want what you hear, you can have the power of the Son of the living God on your side. And that's a lot of power. For I heard someone say, that when our Jesus turned the water to wine, He used some power. And when He caused the storm to be still, He used some power. And when He healed the sick, He used some power. That's when He caused the dumb to speak, He used some power. But on Friday, on that good Friday, He put all of our burdens on his back in the shape of a wooden cross. Y'all don't hear me. He carried that old rugged cross, not down a hill, not on smooth, flat ground, but he carried it up a hill called Golgotha with the same power. Do you hear me this morning? When they took that cross off his back, it wasn't to give him any relief, for the Bible tells me that they took his hands and feet and nailed them to that cross, and he still had some power. Any, all right? They took a spear and pierced him in his side. And he still had some power. Can you imagine the agony and the pain that my Savior suffered with some power up on that old rugged cross just to remove your lying, your cheating, your backbiting, your backstabbing, your killing, your drug using, your adultery, your stealing, you're bullying and you're dishonoring your parents. And he said, it is finished. And he hung his head and he died. And then they took him to a borrowed tomb. But nevertheless, oh, I said, nevertheless, early one Sunday morning, he got up with all the power in his hands. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. So you ask me the question, well, preacher, how do you know he got up with all power in his hands? Because he presented us faultless before the Father. You see, you need to watch what you hear. For what you hear will affect your faith. You need to guard your heart. And you need to remember that when Satan attacks you, that God always has a nevertheless. When someone comes in your life and they say you can't do it, when someone steps into your life and they say, you're not worth it, you can say, oh, nevertheless, I'm a child of the Most High God. For he's given me the power to do his work. In closing, has he ever made a way for you out of no way? How I love to call his name. If God be for us, who shall be against us? You see, he is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. He's the lily of my valley. He's my bright and morning star. He's my doctor when I am sick. He's my lawyer in the courtroom. He's my butcher and He's my baker. He put clothes on my back. He gives me shelter in the time of a storm. He's my water in dry places. He's my mother and my father when I feel fatherless. He's my battle axe in the time of a battle. He's my friend when I am friendless. But most of all, he's my Savior who died on that one Friday, that good Friday. And may we never forget that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment thou wilt condemn Condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the righteousness is of me, declares the Lord. Say this with me. I am worth it. We are worth it. And I know you came here today, and there's been a sense where you have felt, yes... can't do it i just can't do it anymore and maybe you have dealt with some hardships of life maybe they have been difficult maybe you were dealt with a handicap growing up but you're worth it and you are loved and god loves you he created you perfect just the way you are and maybe you were raised with a sickness that you've been battling your whole life well you're worth it i want you to know this That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I want to say this to you as a church. Listen to me closely. When you feel that things are not going your way, I want you to stand strong and say, No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. For Satan, you see, God's already won the battle. See, I'm on the winning side, I'm victorious. Through the blood of Christ Maybe you feel like in your relationship I just It's been hard for me But know this God isn't intimidated He knows already what you're going through And in that struggle He wants to make you better And not bitter And you're worth it So church This week be careful what you hear Be careful what people say to you. And go to God and say, God, give me the power and the strength to do things I've never done before. When we were on vacation a month ago, and that man walked over and said, can I pray for you, pastor? I said, fine. It was at the car rental place. I thought right off the bat, I'm worth it. You mean... All because we said, I want to get here early because of my IBS and things I've been going through. I'm worth it. Well, I want you guys to know something. As he laid his hands on me and he started to pray, my wife and my daughters are present. He said, in the name of Jesus. And through the power of Almighty God, I claim healing over this pastor. And I want all of you to know that I had an injury July 4th of last year. And I messed up my bottom. Most of you know that. So I've been sitting on a tube for months. Well, guess what? I've been off of that for two weeks. Hallelujah. Because that's the power of God. I didn't say, well, why would you pray over the pastor? I'm a pastor. No, I'm the one praying over. No, I didn't. I said, yes, I need your prayer. He said, do you have the faith to believe that God will do that? I said, I do have the faith to believe. And I've been claiming healing when I get up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, when I'm in my prayer closet. Lord, you're healing me today. Lord, you're healing me today. Lord, you're healing me today. Because I have the power of Almighty God. Listen, church, we have the power to do great things. And I'm so thankful that I get to go to pastor's conference and not have to worry about sitting on a tube the whole week. I'm glad that I get to take my wife for our 25th wedding anniversary and I don't have to drive all the way down to Florida and sit on a tube the whole week. Hallelujah. You know why? Because it's God that does the work, church. And I don't want you to be intimidated. I want you to come today. And whatever you've been dealing with, it, whatever you've been going through, you need to give it to God. And then last week was such a sweet time as we went through the sanctuary and we just grabbed people and we prayed for them. Just today as the praise team comes and, and as we sing, the altar calls are always open to you. You can always come and just pray and let God just tell you. Maybe today you need to say thank you, God, for what you've done. And remember that even young David said, I'm not doing it. The battle's not mine, says little David. Lord, it's thine. I'm in your favor. I've given it all to you. I know not what to do. Because he knew, David knew, the battle was never his. And if you're facing that battle today, there's victory in your life. You just have to claim it by faith. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Oh, God. Help us to increase in faith. Help us to decrease in our flesh. Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you, Lord, that nevertheless, even though Satan comes to us and and hardship comes in our life, Lord, we know that you are always there. You're with us. Yes, there comes a time when we must forgive and forget. There comes a time when cleansing comes and, Lord, we need healing. And Lord, today we need you. We need you to heal us. We need you to help us and make us whole. Lord, we just love you. And we just thank you that, Lord, through your power and through your strength and through your guidance, through the Holy Spirit, oh God, we are so thankful that even in Ephesians, when you said that we're to put on the whole armor of God, our helmet of salvation, our breastplate of righteousness, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, our sword, which is the word. Lord, no matter what it is, Lord, help us to be able to say, No weapon formed against us shall prosper. For you said that we are yours and you're with us. So, Father, we claim Isaiah 54. For you said in your word, you know, the plans that you have for us, plans to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. Father, thank you for your healing power. Thank you, Father God, that I know that Satan has been after me and my flesh. To keep me down to keep me discouraged And lord, we're still in the battle Thank you father for your power And lord, I pray for those that are here today lord that need you that have maybe been suffering Maybe in their own physical life and and their own spiritual life. Could they come to you today? Lord? just cry out to you and say god here I am Maybe some of us have been sneaking around and drinking and and looking at pornography and doing some of the things we shouldn't be doing Oh god Help us to confess our sins before you and heal us and cleanse us. Help us to be great men of God and women of God. Lord, because with your power and with your strength, you can take our weaknesses and make us stronger than we've ever been. Lord, we love you. And nevertheless, we know you're there for us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. This altar calls for you as we sing, Lord, I need you. Would you come this morning? Let the Lord just move in your life. Remember. He's not imitated. He wants you to come to him just as you are. Will you come to him I today? Put it down, lay it on I'm the altar. You,
1: I find my rest. Without you I fall apart.
0: You're the
1: one that guides my. Lord I need, you. Oh, I need
0: you. would you come this morning? Listen, if the Holy Spirit Every is speaking to you, would you come then to today? Start a new walk, start a new life, let God start to heal you. Rededicate your life.
1: Oh, God.